Welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB, and on today's episode, um, I actually ran into some issues recording, so I started using a different app. Hopefully, this one actually works. Uh, I was so excited. I, I actually had a d- good day at work, excuse me, on my day job, and it really made me want to come home and record an episode specific to just my time in jail. And I only have about 20 to 30 minutes. I mean, they're starting to get a little longer. Uh, But jail itself, I will be probably talking about on and off throughout this entire, like, series. I will be specific with certain topics. I will be specific with certain issues. Um, But this this episode will be just jail in general. And uh, I will always have plenty to talk about. But I wanted to kind of contrast just the normalcy of my day-to-day now versus where I was at previously. And I'm not kidding you. It's it's tragic. I I literally, just before I hit record, before the issues, uh, I got a news notification, another person, another DUI-related issue where someone had run a red light and they killed somebody. And, I mean, they, they're obviously going to prison. There's no mitigating circumstances unless somehow they get evidence to be thrown out. And I do hate to say that only seems to be on high profile cases. This will probably be one of those that just kind of falls by the wayside and you don't really hear any follow up on. Uh, and I saw the aftermath. I, I can't drive right now, so I'm taking the bus and it was at my bus stop. Showed up after work. There was a car just being loaded up onto a tow truck with some damage. I didn't see another vehicle. Did see three cop cars and someone getting uh, questioned. But the person, the actual, uh, you know, person in question, they they were arrested hours ago. So it it just keeps recurring to where it keeps sinking in in different ways. Like, I mean, some people's lives are forever changed. And like everyone that was standing around there at the bus stop just didn't really know what was going on. They just saw some flashy lights. So they were kind of looking. Um, I haven't... Just get the news notification because I'm local, but that stop have is a major transit area, so it leads to a lot of other areas. So we had some tourists standing there, and the, you know they didn't really know what was going on. Someone out there is hurt, someone out there is dead, and someone out there is about to go to prison. And having gone through something like that, it's just it it happens so fast. Like I I know that the driver. They didn't wake up probably thinking, hey, I'm going to go kill somebody. Let's drink as much as we can. There are the times where there's someone that is self-destructive, but most times it's you just you can't think twice. You're already you're already drunk in that sense, like it impairs your judgment. So you have to have it within yourself to not get to that point where your judgment is impaired. But it's one of those false like. Like, it's, there's just no way to always be on top of that. Even the most reasonable of people, if they drink too much, will be unreasonable. Hopefully, they just go to sleep and they don't, you know, kill themselves or others. Hopefully, their biggest mistake is that they forgot to take off their clothes when they fell asleep. Not some life-altering, completely different trajectory for everyone. So, that person is going to jail. They might make bail. They might not, but uh, eventually they will have to go through that experience. They will have to go 
they will have to go through jail. They're going to, probably they're being processed right now. Depending on where they're at, it's about four, five, six hours later. So they're probably in holding. They've probably been fingerprinted. They've probably had their items inventoried. They've probably been given uh, jailhouse blues. If they're lucky, they haven't processed through, um, and they may now be getting their first tray for dinner. It might just honestly be a, like a sack lunch, a brown paper bag, because uh, the first day, they it's a very long day. It's a very long day, and they don't get shorter from there. Uh, time is one of those just crazy things because in your day-to-day you feel like you don't have enough time you're always rushing you're always gotta go 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 there's always something to do but in jail it is the exact opposite every second every minute and every day feels like an absolute eternity so when people think that the human experience or life itself is too brief i read a quote somewhere they're like life is not short Life is actually extremely long. We live so much longer than we're supposed to because if you, for example, took away all the modern day things that we have, you would be very either bored or you'd just be content, you know, just kind of going about your day, doing your thing. But we have so many distractions now that we don't have an attention span. So if something's not immediately captivating us, we're either bored or we're depressed or unfulfilled or what, whatever it is. We're always chasing some new thing to capture our attention. And because of that rapidity, your life is moving just as quickly. And you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I'm old. What happened? But it's only because you were distracted the whole time. If you took away all the distractions... You would be living. You wouldn't be so surprised that all this time went by. So for me, the five plus years I did in prison were excruciatingly slow. And I had something to look forward to. I had the hope of maybe going home one day. There was no guarantee of getting my parole date. Especially in the early days, before I was even sentenced, I had no idea. I realistically knew what the most slash worst case scenario could have been. I realized that the worst that the state could give me would be eight to 20 years because the state that I happen to be in uses indeterminate sentencing. So they have a wide range. I, for example, could be sentenced uh, to the eight to 20 years and on the eighth year go up for parole and then be denied parole and have to do a ninth year and then a 10th year and a 12th year and so on and so forth. I know I skipped 11, but whatever, 10, 11, but it just continues on and on and on and on. So you could be in theory denied multiple times and you even get is what's known as a mandatory date, but that is not the meaning that you are mandatorily paroled. That just means that the parole board has to see you. They can still deny you parole. Now, with good time credits and all that other factored in, you would get time off your back number, the 20 years. So you would have eight to 20 years. Given that it's class B felony, no time would be taken off the front. So the good time would be applied to the back, which is what I, when I went in, faced. uh, I was facing six to 20 years. That's the uh, deal that I eventually signed, which I'm getting way ahead of myself and way off topic here. But I was... I signed a deal for six to 20 years knowing full and well, like I'd already done two years in jail at that point. So my hope was, okay, I only have about three more years and then hopefully I will be eligible 
for house arrest at that point. No guarantee that they'll give me that. They could deny me both house arrest and then a year later deny me parole. And then that 20-year mark is a high number, but with good time credits, it actually comes down to about 12 years. So realistically, I was looking at 6 to 12 years at the worst. And that's bad, but it's something that I can wrap my head around because I've met people in jail that were fighting their cases still. Innocent until proven guilty. Sure, probably guilty, given the amount that they had to fight and the overwhelming evidence against them. But not everyone. I, I don't have the time to go through everyone's cases, obviously. So some people were fighting from the inside. And they had done more time than I was looking for total. I met one guy that had done eight years in the same, same little area. Same area. Fighting his case. Just had stacks of paperwork. Just huge stacks of it. And... He had like no trial date. It was mostly just like checkups. He hadn't heard any progress. There wasn't a deal. Nothing was going on. And just like, I, I get it. If he was guilty and he deserved the time, fine. But there's a certain level of mental torture when you just are constantly unsure of what your fate is. You have no idea what's going to happen. Maybe someone cracks the case, finds something that exonerates you. Or, or so much time goes by that you're just forgotten and you're just going to prison anyway and you're just going to kind of fall by the wayside. You might not even make it there. Jail is, yeah, just as dangerous as fucking prison. People are dying in jail too. And you would think like, with the high volume of people that get processed through jail all the way from homeless people or the unhoused, as I suppose they're now called, um, various people with mental disorders, various people with uh, addiction problems. And then you also have other people, thieves, robbers, bandits, assaults, whatever. You have the whole spectrum all the way from nonviolent to extremely. And... You would think with the volume of people that come through there that we would be able to crack down on recidivism, possibly get people help, maybe, I don't know, stop, find them a different way, a better path, make them productive members of society. But jail is a revolving door, just like prison. Jail is set up in a weird way because Jail, you have to actually be sentenced in order to take advantage of any programs and education that they have, which, don't get disillusioned, is next to nothing. If you don't already have your GED, well, you could take those classes, but good luck getting in them. You have to have a certain amount of time there. And for jail, it's set up so you do a year or less there. You can do what's known as a county year, which would be 365 days, but anything one year and above... For, is a felony and felonies go to prison not exclusively at least in my state you could get a felony level crime but be sentenced to a county year so that would fulfill that since it's still one year you could also get what's known as a wobbler a crime that was close to being severe or is severe enough that it should be considered and it could be either a gross misdemeanor or a felony but when you start taking into consideration all the different things that are going on, you kind of see that the law is interpretive 
And you definitely see that there's no consistency because race, um, education, money, uh, quality of lawyer, how the fucking uh, DA or even the judge felt that day. I mean, they're humans. Sometimes cases can be lost through bad attitudes or bad days. Not to say that it should be that way or that it is often that way, but people are people. People make mistakes. People can be easily influenced. We can only try to do our best because, again, people in those positions, I spoke earlier about this, anyone who is in a position of authority has to take that position with a grain of respect. You are held to a higher standard because that is what the position entails. So, uh, unfortunately, I did not see the... uh, that standard met across the board. It was about 60%, I would say. And that's four. That's the positive. Like 60% of the people that I at least directly encountered were helpful or kind or at least just passive, which is fine. Um, And then the other 40 were a strange combination of either overwhelmed and jaded and bittered and tired and stretched out too thin and maybe started with, uh, you know, a little positivity and have just been worn down by the job. Uh, But that is honestly is a strong 40 percent from what I saw. Now, jail, I made a joke uh, on a previous episode that uh, prison is just like the movies. Well, guess what? So is jail. Uh, Jail you have just as much access to uh, drugs as a little less in prison, but you still have quite a, quite a good amount of access to drugs. And the craziest thing is not just from like the people, like the inmates, you know what I mean? Not just the people that are being processed through there um, because, you know, they smuggle it in, they get arrested with it on their person. Maybe they find a way to hide it and get it in. Um, Few weapons, because you don't quite need those things. You don't really need too much protection, but people can make stuff. Uh, So drugs, yeah, they're still in there. But it wasn't as much as prison. Like prison was an overwhelming amount of access to drugs. Like the crazy thing is, like I've seen drugs on the street. No person in this world can just be like, well, I, I don't even have any idea what these things are. I'm sure you've seen a movie and you know what either cocaine or crack or meth or heroin or any of those things that are illicit. Uh, You probably have some familiarity with them. So I wasn't exposed in my normal day to day life to all those things. But I was savvy enough when it came out and be like, oh, yeah, no, thank you. You guys have fun. Um, So I got offered all the time. At least in prison, not in jail. So this episode is now just a strange mix of the two uh, things. I guess I'll have to do multiple follow-up episodes on jail. There's just a lot to cover. Uh, So the drug side of things was kind of eye-opening because I was like, one, why would you want to be high in jail? Even if it's like shockingly boring and just Groundhog Day, if it were a boring movie. Jail... Like, why would you want to also be a high on top of that? So it would come through. And I'm sure the officers knew at a certain level. I just feel like it would have been more paperwork for them because it did get mostly ignored. Um, We would have 
if it got too bad, I mean, we'd have shakedowns. We'd have cert teams come through and toss the entire unit, uh, you know, cuff people up, send them solitary, catch whoever had it. But everything's under lock and key and completely watched. So usually it was would be allowed to a certain extent because they would try to at least piece together like, oh, is this a one-time thing or is it someone bringing in? Like, So there was always things behind the scenes that I can't speak to ever. Like I, can't, I will never fully know whatever was going on. Um, so I'm sure there are times where they were trying to catch people in the act. And then I'm sure there's quite a bit of times where, um, you know, just complacency, just laziness on the job. Officers sleeping in chairs saw that quite often, especially during the night shift. Like, you know, it it's dark. Uh, I mean, we always had our lights on, but we had uh, what's known as the officer's bubble or their office or whatever, where they get to lock their door and then just observe us from afar. Uh that was during the night when we were supposed to be sleeping because they would be short, so short staffs for nighttime. They would have usually one officer watching two units and some of the, uh, I did get transferred to a different jail. And that particular one was like originally, I guess a private institution that is now leased out to the state. So it had a pretty cool federal type, I guess, concrete feel to it. And it had, it was almost octagonal in shape and two stories, and each, um, I guess, wing or point of that octagon would have two units on either side of its point. And that point would be where the officer's bubble would be overseeing two additional units. And yeah, I oftentimes saw them falling asleep because I started um, trying to sleep during the day, or at least mostly ignore the people around me. And I would stay up during the nights when it was quietest and when I could read the most, um, that worked the best for me eventually because I could get almost no sleep. I was, uh, just tragically exhausted. I was almost delirious, uh, from lack of sleep. I would wake up exhausted. I would, see myself in the mirror turning completely pale. Although thankfully the mirrors were either scratched out completely because they were just, they weren't glass. I mean, they would never allow us glass. It was um, like a reflective aluminum almost like, like a $3 mirror, (laughs) Um, but it was mostly scratched out. So you couldn't really see yourself, but I could tell that I was getting pale. Um, I could barely get any sun. Uh, again, there was no like real outdoors. You got to go to a different concrete room where you could kind of from a certain angle, see outside a little bit, but barely any sun would come through. So I tried to get the most I could, uh, like on my feet or my face for just a few minutes at a time in the early morning when they first allowed us for morning yard. Uh, I did actually try to get a multivitamin at one point about six months in, because I was just feeling just terrible. The quality of food, I'll get to that in one second terrible um not the four seasons and you know what i don't even i'm not like saying hey guys we need steak we need barbecue ribs we need like incredibly great food here we i just was only asking to meet the basic standards of nutrition you know what i mean i realized that it was an incredibly carb heavy diet because it was mostly bread and pasta it was mostly stuff that was meant to fill us i did not have any bowel movements for days not and sometimes weeks at a time Two weeks was the worst I went. No bowel movement, nothing. And it's because they bind you up. They they just feed you potatoes, pasta, bread, 
anything to just carb you up rice and you know it it's filling sure uh, but there's almost no nutritional value in that and when i tried to get a multivitamin uh, prescribed by the nurse that would see me or not see me but the unit you know they'd come every morning uh, to anyone that needed their prescribed medications and when i asked to get something i filled out a medical kite and was asking for multivitamins and gave my reasoning uh, she asked me if one i had either hiv or aids which i said no i i don't she said okay well are you an alcoholic and i i froze because i didn't really want to answer that question i i i i absolutely had a problem with alcohol because it only takes one time i abused alcohol i got in a car not by choice, but because I couldn't think clearly because I was blacked out. So still my fault. I abused alcohol because of that. And I got in that car and I got in a car accident and I killed somebody. So do I have a problem with alcohol? Yes, I had an absolute massive problem with alcohol. And I went to respond and then she looked at my notes and said, well, you've been in here for six months, so you're not. I'm sorry, I can't do anything. Uh, so, okay, I can't get any sort of, like, multivitamin. Can I pay for it? Is there anything on the store or commissary where I can order this? And they said no. So, okay, that's fine. Um, I started to have to rely on um, family and friends. I had to humble myself and ask for money um, for my own savings, at least at first. And then I... I did run out of that too, um, but I, I needed money to eat. I needed money to get shampoo because they don't provide any of that. They do provide bars of soap, but it's it might as well just be straight lie because it's just basically eating your skin off. Like I would be scrubbed raw red after just having a shower with their soap. Um, so I had to buy um, Irish Springs like bars of body soap but it just it went too quickly and it was too expensive because the markup so we would shave down the soap and to spread it out a little bit we'd mix it with water and that we way we wouldn't be as use uh, excuse me wasteful and we did that with a lot of stuff like shampoo you had to buy like they never provided shampoo so we would cut the shampoo we'd cut uh toothpaste a little bit because they did provide us with that but honestly most people use the toothpaste as a means of paste in order to put up pictures of family or repair things uh, surprisingly good when it hardens as a caulking uh people would fashion uh different things like again the toothpaste tube you could use nail uh, clippers to clip off the bottom of that and then you can pop it on the shower in order to make a shower nozzle that would give you a little bit of pressure because otherwise you'd either get a shower that was blasting you in the face with like a million psi to where you thought you were going to die or you were getting trickled on and it was just like barely a bird bath uh, and there was like no middle ground so the shower nozzle did help in that regard for the <laughs> the trickle and there was nothing really you could do about the hot or cold water. Um, there were oftentimes that we would just shower in the sink, otherwise known as a bird bath. There would be oftentimes where we would go under um, yard lockdown, which happened weirdly enough, uh, at least at the new facility, every single weekend, every 
single weekend, and they wouldn't announce what it was for, but we all believed that it was for short staffing. Except for the few times that we would smell barbecue from the roof, which was usually during like holidays, like Veterans Day, Fourth of July, things like that. Uh, and yes, we were on lockdown while we had to smell all those things. And uh, we did get our holiday meals, which was, you know, a little better. Uh, but this facility in particular, like when I started at the first facility, we would get our trays of food and they would be, you know, trash. It'd be the same garbage ass food. And it would be horrible, but it'd at least be kind of warmish because, like, they just cooked it. Um, usually, you would get dirty dishwater because when they washed the trays, they were made out of plastic, and the inside of the tray would fill with water. So some of those trays were like super heavy. And I did see someone actually use their tray as a weapon. Uh, we always joked about that, like, hey, if you just get one of the heavy ones, you can just hit someone on the back of the head. Uh, someone actually did that, not. Uh, the best idea, I mean, it really worked. They absolutely just knocked that person out. They were then immediately tased and taken away. But uh, I guess the tray worked, so that was that was something. Uh, but when I got moved out to the new facility, the old facility still did the cooking, and we had to wait for that to get loaded onto a, uh, I don't know, whatever truck they used, and then they drove it over, and it would take about 40 plus minutes. So it would arrive cold and it would have all the sloshy tray water in, mixed in with the food because like it was in the back of a truck just going all sorts of crazy. Um, I mean, we ate it. Sometimes it would taste soapy. I'm not kidding. I, I'm not making that up. But I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, most people had to eat. I watched a lot of the unhoused people that were... Um, I don't know, preparing for winter, or maybe they just gone on a long, long period without eating. So they would be asking everyone around them for their trays. They'd be digging food out of the garbage, getting getting extra feed feedings on, you know. And it just opened my eyes because jail just kind of lumps everyone together, and that's okay. But not everyone's the same. Like, the needs of a 300-pound man are not the needs of a 150-pound man. That's just a nutritional fact. That's, I mean, there's no way around that one. So, to feed and treat every single person the exact same, I'm not asking for, I don't know, extreme special accommodations, but I do think we can handle it better. We can always do better. And... I think it should start right there. Like, you, we need to train our police better. Not berate them and hate them. Train them. Give them some training. How do you deal with someone who's mentally unstable or has a drug addiction or a psychological disorder? Once those people have been either subdued or helped, for that matter, well, how can we further help them? Because they're not going to get out of here and just magically be cured of whatever, like what, what brought them in? Let's identify that. What got you here? Some people in jail are going home. A lot of them are actually. And it didn't seem like a lot of them were treated like that. They just were a number or barely a face. And I'm sure the cops or and officers are very disappointed when they see repeat faces, especially people they probably had, you know, hopes for or faith in. So jail was just an incredibly eye-opening experience for me. 
um, I saw way more fights than I would think. I saw a lot of attacks, too, that happened that the officers were never aware of. Things could happen so fast. It could happen next to you, and you might not know about it. One Christmas, we were signing up for Christmas cards, and I was so excited because you got to go up to a little poll where they had a little sign-up sheet, and you got to sign your name and your back number, your little inmate number on there, and they would give you two free Christmas cards for my first Christmas in jail. And I, everyone rushed up there. I was like at the like the outside and there's upwards of like a hundred different uh inmates in this unit so i wasn't able to get there but i still wanted to sign my name and then uh just as quickly as the crowd had formed everyone dispersed and there was one guy on the ground and i was like whoa what happened so i i didn't sign my name i was like i'm gonna sign my name some other time like i need to get away from this and then that guy like the officer called for a nurse and they came and they actually had to gurney him out and uh, he wouldn't say what happened. So I kind of asked some of the people around me, because again, you you don't want to ask too many questions. And if you happen to know the answer, be careful with that information or at least how you're talking about it or presenting it. So someone told me that he had some debts and so they fucked him up and I didn't see it. I guess three or four guys surrounded him and they started taking cracks at his ribs and just put him down. They didn't stab him. They beat him up real fast. And I never, ever, I never thought that I was ever, other than one time, in any sort of danger. Because I wasn't going to put myself in danger. I, I needed to always be ahead of it. I wasn't going to try to make a name for myself. I was just trying to get through. And that's how I always presented myself. And thankfully, it worked out. Thankfully, I made it through jail. Um, we're already hitting 30 minutes here, so I kind of meandered. I'm going to have to follow up with the jail part two to this episode, so we'll call this part one. Um, who knows how many parts there will be, but uh, we'll follow up with part two as my next episode, and thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Sorry that I uh, wandered all over the place for this one. Hopefully the quality of the recording is uh, still there, and hopefully you guys actually um, enjoyed the ramblings for this one. So thank you for tuning in to The Road Less Traveled, and I will see you next time.